For too long, history lessons have glossed over the truly essential contributions women have made to history. That's where Encyclopedia Womanica comes in. And if you love Brave Not Perfect, I have a feeling you'll love this show too. Encyclopedia Womanica from Wonder Media Network aims to change the narrative by introducing the pioneers, scientists, chefs, and more from the past to today who have shaped our society. Every weekday, host Jenny Kaplan dives into the trials, tragedies, and triumphs of this diverse group of groundbreaking women. And each episode is only five minutes long. The bite-sized episodes pack painstakingly researched content into fun, entertaining, and addictive daily adventures. You may or may not already know these women, but you definitely should. Subscribe to Encyclopedia Womanica wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Brave Not Perfect, the show where we break away from the cult of perfection to live braver, bolder, and happier lives. I hope everyone's having a nice and safe holiday. I know it's been a hard year, but we're almost through it. And we're gonna keep lifting each other up, caring for each other, and being brave in 2021. One thing that's been grounding me through this time is astrology, which I can imagine might surprise some of you. And today, I'm nerding out a little. I am so, so, so excited to talk to Banu Gular, the founder and CEO of CoStar, a popular astrology app that uses artificial intelligence to give users their horoscopes. I'm beyond fascinated by the incredible work Banu has done in this space. We discuss how she found the bravery to start her own business, using tech to augment real life, and astrology as a form of self-care in front of a virtual audience of Girls Who Code students. I had such an interesting conversation with Banu, and I'm so excited to share it with you right now. I am so excited to have with me Banu. Banu, it's such an honor to have you. Uh, When I told the team that you had said yes, literally everybody was jumping up and down because they are huge, huge fans of you and CoStar. So we are so thrilled to have you. All right, let's get started. So, Banu, you are the CEO and co-founder of CoStar, a tech company, but you first envisioned the concept before knowing that you wanted to turn it into an app. Tell us about that. Um, Okay, well, we always knew we wanted CoStar to be an app for several reasons, including but not limited to we wanted people to be able to add their friends and see their compatibility. We wanted all of the content to be completely personalized to each individual user's time, date, place of birth. And we had a hunch that we could do something funny with push notifications, uh, which ended up working very, very well. But maybe rewinding to your actual question, while some people are able to raise money just on an idea, we weren't. Um, So we had a non-infinite amount of time to figure out something that worked. And we also had a non-infinite amount of work that could be put in. 
So we were really, really deliberate in making sure that what we were doing was the right thing. Um, so we started by sending out surveys to our friends, coworkers, families. Then we started building click-through prototypes, just like static images chained together and doing user tests. And then we made a little website where you could get your horoscope over email. And each time we're kind of like iterating on the underlying algorithms. If you scroll very far back in our reviews, there's like hundreds or maybe thousands of people complaining you can't. Uh, reset your password. We launched without a reset password function. And we were like, eh, there's probably only going to be like 12 people who forget their password, who forgets their password. Um, but really just kind of building the plane as we were crashing it, rather than coming up with this elaborate concept, uh, and then trying to fill in every piece of it, uh, figuring out exactly what people wanted and building that. How did that make you feel this idea of like, you're crashing the plane while you're building it. Because a lot of people feel very uncomfortable about that, right? They want to build out so far ahead, anticipating every single problem you can possibly you know, imagine, and then you just don't launch. Yeah, it's very live by the sword, die by the sword. And there's something really simple about it because it lets go of the burden of choice. When the plane's crashing, you can't be like, hmm, do I want pink seats or do I want purple seats? It's like, it doesn't matter. Just get some seats in or else we're going to die. Yeah. In some ways, it's like easier to make a decision. So I told you earlier when we were talking that like, I've been looking at my astrology, like it feels like forever. I'm Scorpio, you're a Scorpio, which is already why we like have this amazing connection over Zoom. But, you know, astrology information used to be a lot harder to find, right? You were limited in your horoscopes to like the local paper or like I would read it in like Glamour magazine uh, or trying to like, you know, figure out my whole chart by getting some book in a library. But now thanks to tech, like this information is like everywhere. You can get nine different opinions, you know, 9,000 different opinions, quite frankly, about what your 2021 is going to look like and whether you're going to fall in love or build a business or like, you know what I mean? I don't know, have the world invaded by aliens. Do you think we will continue to see more spikes in astrology interest uh, as we have more technology innovation around it? Okay. I don't think that there is a resurgence in astrology interest. So if you look at numbers, it's been actually completely consistent for, you know, 50 years at this point. There have been some ebbs and flows to that, of course, but like trivial amounts. And I think that what we're seeing with astrology is a lot more like cats. So since the 50s, uh, the same number of people have had pet cats. But at the moment that we all started getting online, having webcams in our homes, having places to post those webcam photos, it seemed like cats were exploding. Cats were everywhere. There was cat meme for every mood, every day, every color of cat. I don't know. Um, and, you know, then you saw the splintering of the cat memes into, you know, dog memes and other cute animal memes. But cat ownership has been stagnant. Or, you know, it hasn't actually grown that much. It's just that something that was previously completely in the private sphere has moved into the public sphere and has appeared to explode. Got it. So one of the things you've spoken of before about why CoStar is so special is that it's bridging the gap between online and offline, right? A group of friends will download the app and then it'll spark conversations about like life and connectivity and are you a Gemini or a Scorpio or a Taurus? We're in the middle of a global pandemic, right? Right now, you and I are having this conversation 
you know, in a Zoom chat room, right? Do you think after the pandemic, we'll see more tech like yours that uses online tools to spark offline connectivity? I'm not sure. Um, I think there's clearly like an upper limit to how fulfilling completely online interactions can be. And I think that whether or not this is the new normal, we're sort of at this critical juncture where tech has hit that limit of online social interactions having, you know, there's a direct correlation between hours spent on Instagram and teen suicide, hours spent on Facebook equals more depression and anxiety. Like, it's kind of clear that that model is not working. And I'm definitely a partisan of using tech to augment IRL interaction. I think IRL interaction is where our most intimate uh, relationships live. And like, I believe in technology and I believe in fulfilling human interactions. And I think that's the mix it should be that like tech augments real life. But I think it feels very hard to predict what's going to happen over the next year or two. Yeah. So I want to talk about like astrology, bravery in the pandemic. So I'm not going to lie. I definitely probably mid-April cracked and called my astrologer and was like, just tell me, like, you know, is the world ending? What is happening? What's going on? Right. I think a lot of us are operating in this moment of uncertainty and we need someone to tell us like, what the heck is going on? And like, am I going to be okay? You know, and sometimes, you know, for me anyway, I have found that astrology does give me comfort and it is part of like my self-care routine. You know, how does CoStar, you know, how does astrology fit into the self-care space? Yeah. I mean, we tend to think of self-care as a prerequisite. Um, You have to find ways to deal with your shit, to reflect, to examine who you are, to find some semblance of certainty, to do anything else whether that anything else for you is writing a book or building a company or organizing a new community or whatever, like to do these things in an ethical way, you have to find ways to be centered and calm and cared for. Mm. Right. And I think that there are lots, there are billions of different ways to do this. Uh, Reading, writing, journaling, seeing a therapist, astrology, tarot, whatever. But I think everyone has to find some version of this that works for them. Otherwise you're going to have people like projecting their own anxieties on other people on other events and are going to be unable to operate like in a cohesive, calm centered way. Yeah. You know, you're a female founder of a company. Uh, You've raised $5 million in funding and you've had to walk into rooms and talk about your idea where there's a lot of men who probably didn't take it seriously, you know, because it wasn't an aspect of your life. How did you deal with that? And how did you stay strong? Are you, did you suffer from imposter syndrome or are you one of those people like, I belong in this room. All right, let's go. Um, Tell me. Hmm. Uh, I don't think that I have too much imposter syndrome, but I also don't think I walk into rooms and I'm like, okay, great. I belong here. There's this Virginia Woolf essay on 
the self that I think about a lot where she has this line that's like, I am I and I must follow that furrow. Otherwise, there's there's no point. And it's a really comforting way of thinking about confidence or whatever, because it's like the problem of confidence is irrelevant. The only question is, am I doing what's true and correct? And for me, is there an alternative to building CoStar at this moment? No. So of course, I'm going to walk into these rooms and maybe they're going to say, no, astrology is idiotic, whatever. And that's cool. And maybe they're going to be like, oh, your growth has been truly astronomical, given the fact that you've spent no money on paid marketing. And I can be like, well, yeah, here's why. Um, But probably the other half of that is like, feeling deeply, deeply comfortable with numbers coming from like data driven, like fashion retail, I think is incredibly, incredibly data driven and having sort of complete comfort in talking about retention and churn and uh, network effects and invites and all those other numbers. Yeah. It's a much what I think a lot of other women said, which is like, I'm prepared. And I'm like the most prepared person in this room. So when I feel prepared and I know I'm talking about that, I know that I'm like, I got it. And that's kind of what you're saying. Well, it's kind of like that Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers thing, where it's like Ginger Rogers did everything Fred Astaire did, but in heels and backwards. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, of course, the prerequisite for being a woman raising venture is being twice as prepared. But that's like a given at this point. And it sucks and like shouldn't be the case and blah, blah, blah. But also the other flip of that is like, I definitely have noticed that like that work ethic serves in numerous contexts. That's right. That's right. No, I I feel that way too. Like I know I work harder than anybody else and so does my team. So there's a sense of like, I guess, comfort, confidence. I don't know how you want to call it in that you're not walking into a room, not knowing what's going on. But I think it is frustrating and annoying that you know that the men who've also raised $5 million are half as prepared, half as qualified. You know, the bar has been lowered for them, not you. And you're still trying to fight. You know what I mean? That narrative out there that for women and for people of color, we're somehow making it easier for them when we're not. Um, First question from one of our students. What is your background in tech? And how did you start learning AI? Did you, did you major in computer science? Yeah. What is your education? What is? Well, um, I went to school for psychology and I taught myself how to code just to like make stuff that I was putting on the internet look cool without any larger goal than making it look nice. And started working in the fashion world as a graphic designer armed with a portfolio of zines and posters and little random stuff that I had done and slowly moved towards the technology side because I understood code because I had this quantitative background in psychology and just kind of kept going deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. Um, AI at this point is really just advanced statistics, which is what quantitative psychology is. I think there's obviously like a bunch of jumps to make within that, but all of the papers are on the internet and you can just Google stuff and start to get deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole. Mia from New Jersey, how and when did you learn about astrology and zodiac signs? Well, I've been into astrology for a really, really long time, but probably about 10-ish years ago at this point, 
I started to get deeper into um, sort of full natal chart astrology, learning about stuff like Moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, etc. And I think very much the same thing as tech, where it's like everything's on the internet, and if it's not on the internet, you can find a book, and it's a really coherent system, which is generally the kind of thing that I like. So it's just like studying and figuring out what the patterns are and figuring out ways to make it resonate for you and your friends. So how do you use your chart to make decisions about your life? Like what is written and what is free will? Um, Well, I mean, I think one of the really cool things about astrology is that you can pick and choose, right? Like I have an Aries North node, which suggests that my task in this life is to figure out how to be more of a maybe reckless leader. Aries is sort of the sign of the fool. And I think about that a lot, like erring on the side of bravery, for lack of a better word. I rarely uh, make decisions based on, okay, well, today's a full moon, but or tomorrow is a full moon. Let's wait until then to do something. Um, that's never been my personal way of thinking about astrology as useful. So your company, like astrology, it's a big combination of art and science. And I feel like your background, too, is like this combination of art and science. And so many of our girls, we always say, like, you don't have to pick one or the other. You can be both. And I think there's this perception, right? I love fashion, but so, so should I learn how to code? And it's like, yes, because it's not one or the other. How do you break the stereotype, right, um, that tech companies and tech employees aren't interested in these other subjects? Because with that stereotype comes, you know, a stereotype of what a techie looks like and what he is interested in uh, and what his background is, right? How do you break that? Well, uh, I tend to think that techies are very bad at tech. Like, all the cutting edge AI right now is inspired by, like, biology, evolution, brain structures. And I think across the board, you're seeing more and more cross-disciplinary work happening because in a sense, a lot of the easy problems have been solved. We already have a calculator on our phones if we wanna add 412 with 608, but more complex problems require more disciplines. Mm. You know, a good writer isn't just technically skilled at writing, but can see things that other people can't in terms of like emotion or landscape or timing. I think the same is true for code. Like you'll be a better software engineer if you can bring things from other disciplines in. Yeah, I could not agree more. Like you see the world and for more of its complexity. Um, next question. So on your journey to become a CEO, is there anyone who stood out to you? Totally. Uh, I had one boss maybe five years ago who I had a super antagonistic relationship with. You know, I basically made my career arguing with random people who I worked with, particularly my bosses. Um, <laughs> but argue with him. I had to prepare, like I had to prepare pages of data and then he would let me win and he wouldn't let me win. Like I would win. And, 
at some point I was like, okay, now you have to send me to this class because I've learned this thing, but I can't figure out how to learn this thing on the internet. And he was like, okay, go, I don't care. Which is very much the kind of mentorship that I wanted, which was him basically staying out of my way and then being like, okay, you're still wrong about this thing and you need to fix it. And I'm not going to help you fix it. But I think that experience, which was also at what was then the fastest growing privately owned retail company in the US was probably like the one person who stood and stands out to me still. How did that not feel personal to you? Because I always say like, I encourage people to solicit negative feedback. So I always say, tell me what I did poorly. Like, tell me why that just sucked. Like, don't tell me how great I am. Is that like your family, your upbringing? Like I had a very Indian father who would, you know, when I lost my election, he sent me like the the email, like the 10 things I did wrong, right? Like no love, no care package. It's just tough, tough, honest, brutal, you know, feedback. Was that same for you? Uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think a lot of families like ours of recent immigrants have really, 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 really high expectations. And that's both a good thing and a bad thing. But I think in real world, especially now, it's hard to find people who can give really, really good criticism. I think it's a skill. And I think it's a skill that you're taught. And I would gamble that you have that skill in droves. But I think a lot of people who I've worked with are like, eh, well, I'm, I'm not saying it's good or bad. And I'm not saying it's your fault. But I think we should change. And it's like, just tell me what went wrong and we can fix it. And, you know, I think the same happens internally at CoStar where it's like, yeah, it's hard to give people really direct criticism in the perfect way. And there probably is no perfect way. There's either, you know, instead of giving you love and care, being like, here are the 12 top things that you screwed up. And this other side of being like, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but... It's a hard line to walk. Um, how did you work on the bravery to be able to start your own app? You weren't a tech entrepreneur, completely different field. Like, how did you do it? Um, the really honest answer was that I met a bunch of the really smart people. And I was like, I think I'm smarter than you are. <laughs> and... A lot of those people's companies have since gone out of business. Like, you know, the vast majority of startups fail. But where did that come from? I think it's just like, you know, I would judge people by my own rubric, right? Like I come from design and psychology and whatever. And I would be talking to these founders who knew nothing about brand or psychology. And I would be like, oh, that must mean you're not smart. So I could probably do this better than you, Uh, which in hindsight was that I didn't realize they had other skills that I didn't at that point have. But, you know, just just play with the rubrics so that you excel at something. No, I love what you're saying. To be honest, this is a recurring theme that's come up with a lot of our speakers, right? That there's this sense that we have as women that, oh gosh, that person, he's really smart. Like I can't, I could never do that. And so we give up before we even try. And I think if we have the fortune to be in the rooms and to meet what people think who are the smartest people and recognize, wait, you know, I, I got that. It's such a gift 
And it really gives you uh, like, you're like, I can build it. And so that's what I wish for all my students, right? To meet the people that you have built up to think and to recognize that you're smarter, you work harder than they do and that you belong there. But yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. It's a theme that has come up over and over and over again with our speakers. Bonnie, this was so much fun. Uh, I am so grateful to you for taking the time out to speak to us. And that was really awesome. I learned a lot. And I think you gave a lot uh, for our students to think about and to be inspired by. And that's all we ask. So thank you. Keep shining. Keep being a role model for the girls who code. And we are out there saluting you. And to my fellow Scorpio, see you later. Bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. That was Banu Gular, CEO and co-founder of CoStar. Thank you to all the students who tuned in and asked such thoughtful questions. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure to subscribe to the Brave Not Perfect podcast. And I would so appreciate it if you told a friend about it or shared Brave Not Perfect on social media. That really helps us get the word out. Brave Not Perfect comes out every other Tuesday. See you soon. Hi, I'm your executive producer, Oliver Ash Klein. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. Today's episode was also made possible by my co-producers, Tanya Zaparonik and Charlotte Stone. And of course, our fearless team leader, Deborah Singer. Andrea Jordan, Rashma Sajani, Ashley Gramby, Gloria Noel, Aaron Page, Zenzele Skylark, Alisa Dwyer, and Raven Abreu also contributed to the making of this episode. See you in two weeks.